0: Joe Fredericks here on the podcast. We've got a news update about some issues happening in the Boundary Waters regarding towboat services. A few years ago, if you recall the episode where Matthew and I went to the Cache Bay Ranger Station, we met with then Cache Bay Ranger Janice Matichuk, spent a few days on the island with Janice. It was episode nine of the Boundary Waters podcast. Well, we got a tow service to the island, to Cache Bay and the Ranger Station, that was through Seagull Outfitters at the end of the Gunflint Trail. It took us on a tow shuttle across Saganaga Lake, Mighty Sag at the end of the trail. Along the way, we dropped off some passengers, some canoeists, paddlers at American Point on Sag. And then we continued. We had clearance from officials in Quetico to get all the way motored into the Cache Bay Ranger Station, special access because we were going to be doing some work with Janice at the ranger station. But we got to see how that process works of dropping off a paddler at American Point, and, and then they continue on, went over to Monument, to Knife, Otter Track, wherever they were headed. So we saw how a towboat service works on SAG. It's also very popular in the Ely area, on Moose Lake, and gets people up to Lac Lacroix, and It's something that takes place every year. Thousands of towboat services and shuttles are Done every year. Well, that's all hanging in the balance right now. A federal judge is weighing that after some legal action by a group Wilderness Watch. We've got uh, kind of the whole story here on this episode, including from our friend Rhonda Silence. She was a longtime reporter at WTIP and worked as a journalist in Grammaray for many, many years. Rhonda speaks with a local outfitter here at the end of the Gunflint Trail. And we've got some other audio included as well so it's a short track a news clip heading into the paddling season kick back get this information
1: over the weekend there was news of a court case that could end the long-standing practice of using motorized towboats to help boundary waters canoe area wilderness visitors get started on their wilderness journeys A national organization, Wilderness Watch, is seeking an injunction to halt the towboat permit system as soon as the ice melts. The U.S. Forest Service allows the use of these towboats to assist canoeists starting their BWCA journey, dispersing visitors deeper into the million-acre boundary waters. If the federal judge reviewing this injunction rules in favor of Wilderness Watch, it could disrupt the plans of thousands of Minnesotans who have already booked towboat-assisted trips with BWCAW outfitters. Here in Cook County, the ruling could impact Tuscarora Lodge and Outfitters, Seagull Outfitters, and Voyager Canoe Outfitters. Joining us on the phone now is Matthew Ritter from Voyager Canoe Outfitters. Thanks for agreeing to answer some questions, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Kevin Pershult, the Minnesota based conservation director for Wilderness Watch, told the Minneapolis Star Tribune that visitors who seek a primitive and unconfined type of recreation would be subject to the noisy parade of commercial towboats the Forest Service has improperly allowed to proliferate. That's from Kevin Pershelt. So that raises a few questions for those of us who aren't completely familiar with the whole towboat system. First, one a really basic question here. What does a towboat look like? Is it a pontoon boat or, or what?
2: Yeah, so the towboats, what they are is they're small johnboats, uh, 18 feet long. Um, with racks on the top and a 25-horsepower motor. And basically, you know, the canoes go on top of the rack, and we can fit about four people in a boat, and we use them to motor across. For us specifically, Sagnaga Lake um, and drop them off at, you know, designated uh, drop-offs by the Forest Service, which kind of helps disperse people into the wilderness on a, a lake like Sag, which is really a transition lake into to many different spots, and we can kind of chat about that as well.
1: Yes, please do. Tell us that, because pretty much seagull and sag?
2: Yeah, and I believe there might be some towboat usage on Clearwater, but I don't know specifically. Um, Just really am familiar with sag and and a little bit of seagull as well.
1: Okay, and so, and you mentioned, you know, you drop people off at different points, so not everyone goes to the same place.
2: Correct, yeah. There's uh, a handful of drop-off spots, which are pretty much wilderness cutoffs. Um, you know, there's a no-motor zone after those points or certain drop-offs to other lakes. And so the Forest Service has those kind of pre up spots, which the three or four of us outfitters that have towboats just drop directly on those locations. And I mean, just to, to speak on SAG itself, you know, I call it a transition lake or spot because of it's split by the U.S. and Canadian border. So mm-hmm. in addition to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness, Um, You also have the Quetico Park. Um, And so different from that as well, there's another park, uh, the Crownland uh, Park, which is part of SAG. And, you know, there's 50-plus Canadian cabins on the lake as well. So it's kind of a a unique lake for us. Uh, And, again, I'm not super familiar with, like, uh, the Ely side or, or many other lakes, but that's just us specifically. So it's really... A transitional lake to many different options, opportunities, and that sort of thing.
1: And the Forest Service does say that in their filing, they say that um, even if the tow boats were removed from the lake, those areas would be far from pristine. So that means that's because there are cabins there, and other boaters besides tow boats are allowed in the on that part of the lake.
2: Yeah, that's correct. And the, and there is a fishing. I mean, anglers are allowed to fish. Uh, on the U.S. side and Canadian side of Saginaw. But um, the Forest Service has quota permits, so you do need a a permit uh, to go fishing. And so even with removing towboats, there will still be motors on our lake specifically. And and I can speak historically saying that, you know, before the Wilderness Act and after the Wilderness Act, there's been motors and people on these lakes for a long, long time. Um, And so knowing that the amount of motorized lakes in the Boundary Waters is you know, a handful versus the amount of lakes that are pure wilderness uh, or paddle only is just drastically different. And it gives people opportunity to get on such a big lake and helps disperse them. I mean, SAG's got a ton of campsites, but it gets people deeper into the wilderness and, and also eases some people's minds of paddling across such a vast lake as well.
1: And this is probably a dumb question, but like I said, I've never done the towboat thing. So, Mm -hmm. Because I know the wilderness line is on the water, correct? Correct. So you don't take people to the portage. No,
2: I mean, the most common drop-off is what people call American Point or Rocky Point, um, which gets you right on the border of U.S. uh, and Canada. And basically that gets you into like Otter Track, Knife Lake, um, and tons of other areas. You know, there are some spots, Red Rock Lake and uh, Sag Falls, which you can drop off right on the edge of a portage, but it's the same sort of thing. It's a cutoff, you know, and and we're very clear with people when they book trips that, you know, Sag is a motorized lake and there's tons of other options and people are pretty receptive of that. And, you know, I've had more people be bummed out that they didn't take the tow across (laughs) Sag and spent a full day of paddling to get to and from, you know, adding a day onto their trip.
1: Okay. Have you ever gotten a complaint from folks who who do paddle the entire way? That
2: no, I wouldn't say I've gotten complaints. You know, the only complaints I've ever heard of are really waves of a towboat, um, and that's mostly based on drivers. And you know, but I've never had anyone comment about their wilderness experience being less because of motors. And people who are very clear about I want to be on paddle only lakes choose those routes. And like I said, the list of only lakes comparative to lakes that have motor usage is drastically different.
1: Okay. Matt, about how much of your business consists of towboat service? Do you have a number of visitors that you help? Is it a daily thing or how often?
3: Yeah,
2: I can't speak to the fashion of the exact number, but, um, you know, it is a daily occurrence, whether that's one group or or five groups or something along those lines. But it, it does differ on the season as well and the type of paddler. And it just you know it does make things more accessible to certain types of paddlers as well.
1: Do you think this would have a dramatic impact on your your business economically?
2: Um, yeah, I mean it would definitely it would directly affect us. I mean, not to mention the the amount of money lost. You know, not booking toes, but just to even think about um, all the folks that do have reservations for this and if they would cancel or add more time onto their trip or this and that. So yeah, it would it would. It would dir- directly affect our business, yes.
1: Okay. And I'm guessing since this is like kind of breaking news, although this has been going on for a long time with um, questions for the Forest Service, but have you heard anything from the Forest Service about this? If, if they, Is everyone just kind of in limbo right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, at a recent meeting, it was mentioned that, you know, there is a decision being made. The, the decision of halting towboat use while the lawsuit continues and research is done Um, is is more breaking news to us you know we've always been aware of or we've been aware of towboat lawsuits so we knew it was there Uh, the, the breaking part is just temporarily shutting towboats down and you know it doesn't mean they would take them away forever they just are trying to cease towboat use while the lawsuit remains opened and so yeah that that's a little breaking news the Forest Service has mentioned it to us and Given as much, given us as much detail as they know or can give us,
1: because the Forest Service is supporting the towboat operators in this.
2: Yeah, that seems to be the case, which is which is really awesome. And you know, I've been fortunate to be working for Voyager Canoe just for about ten years now, um, and I can say that uh, the management plan that they've put in place has changed every year. You know, mm-hmm. and by that I mean it's gone. different path every year wanting more and more details for this for these reasons exactly um and you know they're reporting every trip down to what tow boat we took out and how many people and and how much revenue and all that stuff so there is a, a document we submit to the forest service every year and they're they're very detailed about it you know they're they will go through each line and and send us any notes if our ma- if our reports don't exactly match what they have, mm-hmm. and they they're out there monitoring as well. So if our reports don't match up exactly, um, they definitely send us questions. Hey, we've got some discrepancies here, here, and here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you help us figure out why? And we always work together to figure that stuff out.
1: Interesting. The whole the whole part is interesting. But we I guess uh, those of us who are lucky to live here we don't think much about this, but this definitely would impact visitors.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think. Yeah, it would definitely impact visitors and and I you know would be hopeful that people didn't cancel trips but would, would seek alternative options and, and paddle at a day on or this and that. But mm-hmm. you know, it does do a good job dispersing people into the wilderness and gives like I said, gives people an opportunity to get further or spend more time further out in paddle only wilderness and it being such a our lake specifically being three different you got a wilderness, two different Canadian parks, and then private cabins and stuff like that. Um, there's been people and motors on these on this lake for a long, long time.
1: Well, thank you. Again, we've been speaking with Matthew Ritter from Voyager Canoe Outfitters at the end of the Gunflint Trail. Anything else, Matt, that you think people should know?
2: No, I don't I don't think I have anything specifically. Just kind of reemphasizing the fact that, you know, this is really just a, a temporary cease on towboats is their request while the lawsuit continues, you know? I mean, unsure of what the future would hold, um, but really it's a decision of are they going to allow towboats for this this season? Um, And so that's kind of the biggest
1: thing, just understanding that. All right. Well, keep us posted here at WTIP. Yeah. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank you.
0: Rhonda Silence with that report for us at WTIP. Following up on this story, we wanted to speak with someone from Wilderness Watch, This is the organization that's involved in this litigation and this injunction request that came in in February 2023. It's Wilderness Watch submitted the request in federal court for the injunction to halt the longstanding use of towboats that are on these lakes on the edge of the boundary waters, including places at the end of the Gunflint Trail and numerous locations in the Ely area. Wilderness Watch contends that the number of towboats and towboat traffic in the BWCA appears to have tripled since the 1990s. The organization first sued the Forest Service over the issue in 2015 and now contends says that the Forest Service never followed through on those settlement terms. And joining us now for more information on this is Kevin Presholt, the Conservation Director for Wilderness Watch. Kevin, thanks for joining us on WTIP.
3: Happy to be here. Thank
0: you. All right. Well, can we, first of all, talk about a timeline? As I said in the intro, in February of of this year, 2023, Wilderness Watch submitted the request in federal court for an injunction to halt the long-standing use of towboats, and more recently, much more recently, asking for this injunction. So tell us, in in your mind, what would be the best case for a ruling on this?
3: Well, we were hoping that the judge would have a ruling before uh, the paddling season started, um, but that's really not in our hands at this point, and and uh, we're waiting for a decision or at least a signal from the judge as to what sh- uh, she might do, and, and we don't know when that will happen.
0: And can you tell us exactly why this is such an issue, why this is something that the Wilderness Watch is, is very focused on at this time?
3: Yes. Uh, well, it... it It goes way back, um, but I'll I'll, I'll start (laughs) going back to the 1993 Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness Management Plan that the Forest Service produced. And one of the the things that the Forest Service did in that plan is that the agency pulled out the commercial towboats out of the regular motorboat limits uh, and said that they would manage them separately. A number of wilderness organizations challenged that in court, and uh, the Forest Service, uh, to resolve that issue, pledged in the courts that the agency would limit the amount of towboat use to the levels that occurred prior to the 1993 management plan, which the agency uh, said was 1,342 towboat trips per year. Unfortunately, what has happened is the Forest Service has never, I think, even tried to limit uh, the towboat usage to to that level and has allowed it to grow and grow. Their most recent figures showed that in 2019, there were 4,817 towboat trips and 3,815 towboat trips in 2020. So it's almost a tripling above the level that the Forest Service pledged uh, that it would limit the towboats to. Um, So we just are baffled that the Forest Service seems to be unwilling or unable to to uh, curtail the towboat traffic to the levels that they promised they would do so. So that, that's sort of the the immediate background of, of the lawsuit, and uh, we've just uh, not seen the Forest Service showing any willingness or ability to limit the towboat traffic like they said they would.
0: We have talked with the Gunflint District Ranger as well as the Toftee Ranger about this previously in previous years. About the fact that the Forest Service is having discussion about this internally, and they're going to be reaching out to cooperators and there's there has been news about this on wtIP and Star Tribune and so forth in years past, but it seems like now ahead of this year's paddling season in twenty twenty three things are intensifying particularly with this request for an injunction and so forth so is the immediacy of it is something that is new and and why we're having this discussion today, and was it just the fact that you didn't feel action was being taken? fast enough?
3: Well, it, it's that the Forest Service is violating its own standards and regulations, and they don't seem to be able or willing to uh, curtail the towboat use to the levels that they told the federal courts they would do so. So uh, that's really why we had to go to court again, to try to force the Forest Service to follow its own rules.
0: Well, so from an objective Standpoint that there are two sides to this discussion. The people who would utilize a tow service would say that a lake like Saginaga at the end of the Gunflint Trails is this massive lake, and if I get a, a tow service, it's going to save a day because I want it to paddle all the way to American Point or coming and going. And there's big water on Sag, and the tow service is very helpful to people like that. And in addition, there are motorized boats that can already operate legally on Sag because they're getting to their home on the Canadian side of SAG or or something like that. There's a corridor for motorized access. So even stopping the tows that are allowed and permitted, there will still be motorized boats on a place like SAG, for example. But your concerns, those of Wilderness Watch, are that the motorized boats take away from the wilderness experience, that it creates noise and there's waves, and it's not of wilderness character to have these motorized boats. So, Kevin, for the people who want to have a tow it helps them get across a place like Saganaga or for somebody who wants to get to their cabin on the Canadian side of SAG, what would you say to them?
4: Well, you know, nearly all of the the parties that that use the tow service are canoe paddling parties and they are equipped to paddle uh, and they uh, are are presumably able to paddle. That's not to say that Saganaga is not a large lake. It is. Um, I've paddled on it myself many times and I've paddled it actually uh, solo sometimes, uh, by all by myself. It does get wind. You have to be wary of the weather on any wilderness trip. Uh, and you have to to use common sense, not to get out into wind and waves uh, that are dangerous. But I think the fact that the, the excessive towboat use that the Forest Service has been allowing to happen, you know, nearly three times the amount that they said that they would hold the towboat used to has has created a, a degradation of the wilderness character in places like Saginaga and the Moose Lake chain over by Ely, for example, where the towboats have run off and on all day long. So we also have to remember that what a special place the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness is. Uh, it is really the only lakeland wilderness in the entire national wilderness preservation system people come from all over the world to go canoeing in the boundary waters uh, because it is a protected wilderness so we have to remember that context that the the bwcaw uh, uh, is a wilderness first and foremost and and that we need to constantly strive to uh, protect the wilderness character of the area by reducing or or eliminating the towboat use, we would, we would increase uh, and improve the wilderness character uh, of the boundary waters. And that is, uh, would be a great uh, improvement in the long term protection of the area.
0: What about the people who own property, though, that would still be motorized a boat across SAG and up the corridor to get to their home, or, or just the fact that anybody could still get to an island to camp up through the corridor where it still would be legal, despite even if the judge rules in favor of this injunction, there would still be motorboats on SAG?
4: There would be, but there would be far fewer if the towboats were uh, kept to their legal limits or eliminated, and and that would be an improvement for
0: the Boundary Waters. You had suggested at one point if people just paddled further before they were willing, you know, don't cancel your trip. In other words, this year, if this uh, judge rules in favor of the injunction that don't cancel your trip, you can still just paddle. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, uh, this litigation does not at all affect parties, uh, Boundary Waters entry permit. Um, if they have a an entry permit for, for SAG on such and such a date, they can still come and have their wilderness canoe trip. Uh, they may need to plan uh, to paddle a little extra uh, on the first day or, or so of the trip, but their trips are not going to be canceled. They can still come and enjoy uh, the beauty and the wonders and the quiet of the wilderness.
0: What about the Boundary Waters is it that uh, Wilderness Watch and that you appreciate and, and why you feel that Motorized uses does not fit with this uh, vision or idea that you have about the Boundary Waters. What is it about motors in particular that impact that?
4: Well, um, motors in particular are, are noisy. They are symbols of sort of the mechanized civilization that wilderness areas are designated to to protect against. They are in general prohibited in designated wildernesses under the 1964 Wilderness Act. And uh, it is only really an exception to that uh, law that allows the uh, current motorboat use to continue. Motorboat use is the exception and not the rule in the Boundary Waters. And uh, that's just part of the, the wilderness ethic and part of why people come to the Boundary Waters is to get away from motors and engines and noise and pollution and civilization.
0: If the judge rules against the preliminary injunction, Tell us what happens with the the lawsuit or the request from Wilderness Watch beyond just the the preliminary injunction. There's still further legal action that uh, is still in process.
4: Uh, It it could be, yes. Uh, Essentially, the the merits of the case uh, that we have brought. About the Forest Service's inability to restrict the overall towboat use to the levels that the Forest Service pledged they would do so, uh, would still be alive and and conceivably could still be brought forward in in court. Well,
0: we'll wait and see exactly what takes place. Here we are in late April. There's still a lot of ice on many of the lakes we're talking about, including Sag and Seagull has ice of you know twenty inches of ice here at the end of the month. So we don't know even if the ice will be out on the fishing opener. Memorial Day, really a time that a lot of people start to visit the Boundary Waters, and we'll, we'll see exactly where things end up with this preliminary injunction. We're speaking with Kevin Presholt, He's the Conservation Director for Wilderness Watch. Kevin, thanks so much for your thoughts today.
4: Thank you, Joe. Great to talk with you.